Some shows lean left, some lean right, but we lean local and business. This is North Georgia Business Radio X with Bo Henderson. For the next hour, we will celebrate the businesses in our area and the people that run them. Find us on Facebook at North Georgia Business Radio X and online at NorthGeorgiaBusinessRadioX.com. Now, here's Bo Henderson. It's that time again. Now, Bill, uh, one of the things I run into at Rich Life Advisors, when we're doing retirement planning, a conversation comes up around estate planning. You know, we're talking about wills, financial power of attorneys, healthcare directives, some scenarios we even need to discuss trust. You'd be amazed, I- I'm thinking, if... Roughly, I'm thinking 90% plus of the, um, of the time I'm talking to people, what I'm running into is we never got our, our estate planning documents in place, or I did it 10, 20 years ago when they're outdated. So it's one of those, I can't think of anything more certain than we're going to die one day, but very few people plan for that. I think you're right on target with that, Bo. In fact, it's the kind of thing where, yes, we all we know we're going to die, but We've got plenty of time. After all, we're healthy now, uh, we're active, and one day we'll get around to that. And I guess something parallel to that, you can, of course, do pre-planning for your, your funeral arrangements, your final arrangements. And again, that's something, will we get around to it? Well, maybe someday. And for the most part, in my judgment and my observation, the delay comes because we think time is limitless, but time is not limitless, as you found out in your own family. Well, you know, that's funny you said that because I think you're right. When we're having conversations, whether it's long-term care, whether it's uh, your assets lasting long enough, it seems like we, we can say, you know what, those statistics, I understand them, I know them, but they don't necessarily apply to me. And that's everybody the, else, right? Yes, yes. And what, one of the things I came to a conclusion on several years ago is that the first sign that you have reached maturity is when you realize that statistics can apply to you. <laughs> That's right. Well, and, and one of the things with this, this estate planning conversation, it's not really hard to do. It might not be fun to do, but it's not hard. But across the board, every time I met with clients and they get it done, there's a sense of relief. There's not this in the back of your mind when, you know, I know that's not taken care of and it could cause some issues down the road. So I'm excited today. We have our very own estate planning expert in the studio. So why don't you bring him in, Bill? Delighted to. Bill Rhodes is our guest. Bill is a partner in Smith, Gilliam, Williams, and Miles. A law firm in Gainesville, Georgia, established in 1928, the firm is a full-service civil practice that has attorneys providing services in a variety of fields, divorce, bankruptcy, business planning, civil litigation, condemnations, employment law, estate planning, probate, and tax. Bill Rhodes, you pretty well got it covered. Welcome to the show. Uh, Thank you for having me, Bill. Thank you for having me, Bo. Hey, you know, one of the things, what do you think about that? Because I know you've got a little different perspective than my conversations. Why do you think it's nobody really, uh, or so few people address this concern? Uh, I think Bill had a good point that a lot of people think it won't apply to them or they think that they'll have time in order to uh, and to accomplish it. Uh, everybody thinks that they're going to, or hopes at least, they're going to die peacefully in their sleep when they're 85 years old. And it just doesn't happen uh, for everybody. 
I think the other issue, too, is it's no fun to spend money or time or emotional energy uh, on or, or thinking about. Right. If I've got to spend, uh, depending on complexity, a couple hundred bucks to a couple thousand bucks on something, what I don't want to do is spending, uh, spend it on talking to a lawyer about dying and, and you know what sort of arguments my kids and, and, and might get into after I'm dead. So I, th- I think that that's, uh, that's a good portion of it and the emotional toll it takes. I have a lot of clients who will go and talk to spouses or, or, or second spouses or kids and just trying to figure out what they want to do is, is taxing on them and it's tough. Yeah, I think it's something you don't want to necessarily think about. But one of the things that, that comes up I think is important to talk about, Bill, is what are some of the, the scenarios or, or bad things that can happen or that you've seen happen, I know you've seen probably a wide array of things, when we don't take care of these basics. Sure. There's a there's a litany of, of awful things, I suppose, that can happen. But you're talking to your lawyer, too. And, and keep in <laughs> mind that, that we're the kind of people that, that uh, come up with phrases like a parade of terribles. Uh, so anyhow, the thing that I think is most complicated for, for clients is when someone passes away without a will and there's real estate involved. Dollars are always easy to divide. I talk to clients like it's a pie and we can slice pie. And if it's dollars, it's really easy to slice that pie and somebody gets $5 and somebody else gets $5 and you go your separate way. On the other hand, if it's real estate or several pieces of real estate, those pieces of property are much harder to divide among uh, family members who might have contentious in, uh, contentious uh, uh, issues among them in terms of how they want to use the real estate. Uh, a scenario that I'll give to clients a lot is that pretend you've got two children, one local, one out of state. The local child, depending on which side of the coin you're looking at, might be taking care of mom or daddy before they're dead or might be freeloading on mom and daddy before they're dead. (laughs) They're always living in the basement. Uh, Then the child out of state really has been hands-off in terms of health care. Oftentimes, though, in my view, might be the more monetarily successful child, and that's what helped them get, get out of town, so to speak. When mom or daddy dies, then you've got these these headbutts between the child there and the child out of state, and no one really knows what the truth might be. We're talking to Bill Rhodes about estate planning. I'm Bo Henderson here with Bill Lampton at North Georgia Business Radio X. And Bill, that does is we're talking about things that can go wrong. What blows my mind is sometimes it's not uh, what what you necessarily think, but I've, I've heard conversations between siblings like, you know what, I was out fishing with dad and he said this and this is what I thought he wanted. And others like, well, you know, I got the impression this is what he wanted. So if it's not documented, it, it can it's not black and white. No, that that's that's absolutely correct. I think putting things in writing uh, with clarity is what's uh, what's most important. I tell a, a story about my parents, and I'm always telling a story about my parents that um, that would have a, an item of contention. And and what helps is the clarity. So uh, uh, my grandfather lived in the Philippines before they were uh, evacuated during World War II. As part of it, they had a uh, had an automobile there. And they traded the automobile for a uh, ivory chess set before they left because they could carry the chess set. It's a beautiful chess set, okay? And in terms of our family, it kind of hits a, a couple of, of ticks. One, it's an emotional family heirloom. Two, it probably does have real legitimate monetary value. Um, it would be an item that you can't split. I've got one sister. It's not an item that's easily split. So my sister and I played chess one day, and unfortunately, she beat me. But now there's clarity, and everybody knows where that specific item is, is going to go. But to your point, writing it down, if there's anything that is very specific, 
don't leave it to a conversation somebody remembers on a fishing trip. Instead, have it written down so that there's no ambiguity. To tag on to that, I, I think you've brought up an important point here, that it's not just cash and it's not just real estate. It might be mother's jewelry or it could be father's hunting equipment. Uh, personal items can bring as much division as, as uh, dollar items. Uh, that that's that's absolutely correct, especially because they do have that emotional value uh, attached to them. I've seen families fighting over flower bulbs. Uh, I, I enjoy gardening. To me, it's asinine because flower bulbs multiply and they divide, and, and patience is, is all that's needed in order to share those things. But I've seen people fl- fighting over things like that because that's a, what they remember from their childhood. Well, one thing, Bill, as we 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 keep getting into this conversation, is there kind of a blank or just a Hey, I need to make sure I have these things covered in my scenario. I know, I know, we talk about wills and some power. Is that is there a basics? I know there's no. It's everything's situational, right? It's depending on your situation. Um, but I think a lot of times people uh, shy away from getting this done because they think it's too complicated. I don't understand it. But is there kind of hey, everybody needs this package of materials, or what? What would you say to the person that says, you know, I need help, but I don't know what to ask for? Yeah, I think the world needs to get, my world at least, needs to get divided into five separate documents or, or um, homework items that, that individuals need to address. The first is a will. That's what we've talked about here today. That's what happens when, uh, when somebody passes away and they have what are called probatable assets, assets that the will governs and who it goes to. Those are, a will can be very simple to do, but it's something that, that people should do. The second would be a, a health care power of attorney. We've seen a lot of those come into play lately with what's going on with with COVID right now, and people are concerned and are worried. But who makes decisions for somebody if you can't or don't want to make healthcare decisions for yourself? Uh, that's that's really important, and that's an emotional item, especially if you've got one surviving parent and maybe a couple of kids who think mom or daddy want different things. Somebody mm-hmm. needs to be in charge. The third would be a business power of attorney, and again, this is a, a tool to help mama or daddy or a sibling or, or whoever. Just take care of day-to-day business items if they, if they can't do it for themselves. Uh, the fourth would be checking deeds, real estate deeds. There's something called a survivorship deed. Most often in my experience, if, if parents have been married for forever and his kids are her kids and her kids are his kids, then they intend for real estate to automatically pass to the surviving spouse. A lot of times that's not in place, and I advise clients to check that. Finally, Bo, this is something you're familiar with, are beneficiary forms. And this would be the fifth piece of homework. Just double-check every beneficiary form you have and make sure that it's filled out and it's, and it's complete and the beneficiaries are who you want the beneficiaries to be. Bill, what about durable power of attorney? Yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you, Bill, for bringing that up. Um, so I, I said business power of attorney. That's uh, you know uh, a synonym for for durable power of attorney. Uh, a durable power of attorney is um, it's called durable because it's effective for the duration of your competency and your incompetency. What I tell my clients is that's the most dangerous document they'll execute. Mm-hmm. In theory, whoever you're naming as power of attorney can go to Vegas with everything you've got. <laughs> so be careful. Yeah, choose wisely, right? Well, we've been talking to Bill Rhodes about estate planning. We'll put that list on the sheet at Business Radio X. And so people can do this as a checklist. Do I have these documents in place? Because 
any one of these not in place could cause major problems. And I've, I've yet to find a person, Bill, that said, you know what, if I could prevent it, I wouldn't want to prevent problems with my kids or my beneficiaries down the road. A lot of times we just don't get to it. That, that, that's exactly right, Bo, is I think that people often do put it off, or perhaps they haven't revisited in, in 20 or 30 years. Uh, perhaps maybe a, a child uh, now has special needs who didn't used to have special needs. Perhaps there are grandchildren that, that uh, need to come into play. The most common issue in, in terms of conflict are really second marriages. That's where I see more conflict, and second marriages are a whole lot more common now than they used to be 30 years ago. People are living longer than they used to live. And, and candidly, I think a lot of people are now outliving their brains. The doctors have made it so they can keep our bodies uh, alive longer than our brains alive. Uh, and that creates some, uh, some real stress. Well, I'm Bo Henderson here with Dr. Bill Lampton at North Georgia Business Radio X. We're talking estate planning with Bill Rhodes. And Bill, you might get me for this one, but I want us to, to go into Probate 101 so we can get a little better understanding of what that is when we come back on North Georgia Business Radio X. Welcome back to North Georgia Business Radio X. I'm here with Dr. Bill Lampton. We've been talking to our estate planning attorney, Bill Rhodes, and I left off saying, hey, Bill, I need us to talk about probate. I know a lot of people have heard of probate and heard there's bad stories that go with probate, but I'm not sure we understand or just have the basics of what is probate. So where do we go? Sure. Um Probate 101 is, is maybe a conversation I have with lots of my clients. Uh, first of all, I think there is a, there's a fear uh, throughout folks who don't do this for a living. I don't know how to change my oil. There's a fear that I'm screwing up my, my car all the time. So I think it's a reasonable fear of, of what we don't know. But there's a fear that probate is, a, is an awful process. In the state of Georgia, what I typically tell my clients is if everybody gets along, probate is cheap and easy. Okay, Georgia is a great state in that uh, for probate purposes, what you need to know is, is who the heirs at law are. That's typically kids and a spouse. And if everybody's going to sign off on paperwork, it's basically a five or six page document that you submit to the court. It's not hard. Uh, Georgia is a great state because we, the state of Georgia does not require what are called inventories and accountings of, uh, of the estate assets. A lot of states do. That's where the fear and the time and the expense comes into play in, in many other states is all of a sudden people have to go out and hire appraisers. They have to go out and hire accountants. They have to go and, and do all this extraneous work, which in the state of Georgia, uh, really you can get around either through providing uh, a waiver inside of the will or having everybody sign off on a waiver so it's not required. But the probate process, generally speaking, is just the goal of getting a one-sheet piece of paper signed by the judge that says this person's in charge and they can transfer assets of the estate according to the will. So that's how I like to simplify it to my clients. Something else I'd like your comment on, and I know our listeners would as well, Bill. There's a longstanding rumor, supposition, assumption that I hear people say, well, if you don't have a valid will, then when that family member dies, uh, this all that property, everything goes to the state. Is that 
uh, uh, correct or is it partially correct or what? Well, let's not squash the fear because that drives business sometimes, <laughs> right, Bill? That's good for business. Um, I, generally, that's going to be incorrect. Um, in, in the state of Georgia, uh, what will happen is the assets will eventually go to the heirs at law of, uh, of the person who passed away. Uh, if there's not a will in place, okay? And I'm going to split legal hairs, but I'm doing it intentionally. A beneficiary is somebody who inherits under the will. An heir at law is somebody through the family tree who is closely enough related to the dead person. Oftentimes, those are the same people in in an overlapping Venn diagram. Sometimes they can be two separate separate groups. If there is no will, what will happen is there are state laws that govern who the assets go to, but they're going to be your family members. Uh, at, at the end of the day, the question is, how do you want your family members to share real estate? And I'll give you or any assets and I'll give you an example. If someone passes away with one surviving spouse and two children and let's pretend that that mama and daddy have lived in their house for 30 years, we would naturally think that mama would get the house if daddy died. Instead, what happens is mama gets a third of all the assets and the two mm. children would each split the remaining portion. Okay, so that sometimes creates contention if there is a second wife or a second spouse who might not want to split real estate with the children. Or maybe the house where the spouse was living in is an old family homestead with the second wife and the children really want it to remain in the family for generations to come. So that's where there's contention and where will really is needed, especially when we're dealing with scenarios that it's not a first marriage and the two children are the sole children of, of that of that family unit. Well, and that's it's a loss of control, right? If somebody else has decided, daddy might not have wanted mom to have half and the kids to each have a half or a quarter, right? That's exactly right. So that's that's one of the things we can do is go ahead and, hey, let's make sure our wishes are very clear because if not... Somebody could be deciding that for me on my behalf, and it could be the closest relative I have, but that might be the person I get along with least in this world. You never know. Well, what will happen is, is this, the, the state will then say everybody gets a third, but it goes back to the very first point we talked about, about that pie. Dollars are easy to divide. Real estate's tougher to divide. Specific items, jewelry, the, the chess set I referred to earlier, those things are, are hard to divide. What the, the dead person typically doesn't want, the last thing they want, is for a family to, to fight and be contentious over, over these items. But I lay the blame typically at the dead person. You know, it's mm-hmm. their fault for not acting, for not going and not, not putting into writing, not making it clear as to what happens when. Well, and that's one of those, again, it's, it's not that hard to do. It's just not necessarily fun. But I think if we can put in that context, Bill, that, hey, it could save the people you love the most some potential strife, stress, heartache, after they're already dealing with a loss of you, to just get these these documents in place. Yeah, I, w- I would say it's pennywise pound foolish. That it's 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 a much better even just looking as a business transaction. It's a it's a much better transaction to go ahead and do it on the front end than to leave your your heirs or beneficiaries on the back end to clean up the mess. Uh, what you can do with one lawyer on the front end might take three on the back end, and and you know we all charge by the six minutes. So. Well, that's, we're talking about estate planning. We're here with estate planning attorney, Bill Rhodes. I'm here with Dr. Bill Lampton. I'm Bo Henderson, and you're listening to North Georgia Business Radio X. We'll be back after the break with a whole lot more. I want to learn a bit, little bit more about Bill as a person. See you when we come back right here on North Georgia Business Radio X.
we're back on North Georgia Business Radio X. I'm Bo Henderson here with Dr. Bill Lanton. We've been having a fascinating conversation with the state planning attorney, Bill Rhodes. And Bill, I know you had a, con- a question of the break. Well, why don't we just put that on the air? Well, it was a follow-up to a, a very sharp observation that you had, Bo. And that is, it's so much better for people to make their decisions and their planned distributions ahead of time rather than waiting to do it at the time of death. And the reason is, if a family has to make those decisions later on, or at the time of of a funeral, for example, this is when they are in the most distress, their uh, emotional pulse is beating very rapidly, They don't think as rationally. They can easily get distracted. Tempers can fly. I would imagine, Bill, you've found this to be the case. One of the things I tell my clients uh, consistently is that mama and daddy are the placators. They're the ones who are able to smooth things over, and if hard decisions need to be made, they need to be made by the person who's who's writing the will. Uh, Decisions are much more likely to be respected uh, if mama or daddy make the decisions then instead of the decisions are, are left to, a, to a, a child or another family member to have to struggle through that. You know, and that, that comes back to that conversation I've heard over and over again. Well, I thought mama said this. Well, I thought she said this. And a lot of times it's not, they neither may be wrong, but that disagreement. I've seen siblings that were great friends create lifelong strife. I mean, literally a, a wedge over something that could have been prevented if mom or dad in this situation, just just put it down because they would have respected if it was in writing. They just both completely believed their their point of view was correct. Yeah, that, that's right. And and where I've seen it even even worse, Bo, is is where the kids might not uh, be acting out of a, a manner of greed, but instead they they just think mom or daddy wanted something different. Right. And they might not even be trying to be self serving, but they they fervently believe that mom or daddy wanted X or or Y. And they can't come to an agreement on that. In the way they're trying to honor that. That's exactly right. Yeah, because everybody does want to honor mom or daddy's wishes. And I've heard that repeatedly. And I do blame mom or daddy for not being clear on it if that's what happened. So if you're listening, don't be mom or daddy in this scenario. Just get this done. Let, let's let's get this squared away. Get this spelled out. Have very clear um, expectations about what you want to happen so that your wishes are honored, right? And somebody else isn't making those decisions for you. Now, Bill, I think it's important for us to talk about, this is one of my big things in the retirement planning world, is let's talk about the role of beneficiary um, assignments on IRAs, 401ks, on those kind of accounts. Yeah, sure. I I think that's hugely important. Um, One of my beliefs is that in the last 30 years, and you can really see it, there's been a huge shift in assets from small family-owned businesses, from small real estate holdings uh, to retirement accounts, whether it's a 401k, whether it's an IRA, whether it's a brokerage account, things of that nature. But if you look and see how families have held assets, there's just been this gigantic shift from from one to to the other. Um, I think it's it's very important because a lot of times people will fill out their IRA paperwork or their 401k paperwork or you know, other uh, um, re- retirement vehicles on the first day or the first week or the first month of a job. Right. And they don't they don't spend the time to really think about what it means. It's just part of the other HR paperwork that they're filling out at the time. And then people don't go back and revisit that. 
and life changes. And it's important to stay current on those beneficiaries because if the wrong beneficiaries on that form, uh, we sometimes call them laughing heirs in the will world, but they're <laughs> laughing all the way to the bank because they weren't supposed to get the money, but they did. You know, this was almost 20 years ago, but it had such a big impact. And listeners have probably heard me tell this story in different points. I was out at the hospital helping with the 403B plan at the time here in in, in Gainesville. And um, a wife came to me with just, just furious. And the husband had passed away with about a $400,000 403B. And lo and behold, they thought it was dealt with over time. His original wife, again, they, this, this couple had been married 20 years, but the wife previous to that never got changed off the, the beneficiary form. And guess who got the money? That's exactly right. And, and, and lo and behold, she didn't, out of the kindness of her heart, said, you know what? I know this was a mistake. I want to give this to you, new wife. Didn't happen that way. Probably out of one every 10 clients I serve, I always reiterate to them that their homework is to go and double check every beneficiary form they have. And probably one out of every 10 that, uh, that I'll give that homework to will come back and, and say thank you. Because either an old spouse was on a form, mm-hmm. maybe they had a child who had predeceased who was still on a form, which w- which can cause issues. Uh, maybe they didn't have anybody as a beneficiary on the form. And so naming both those primary and those backup or successor beneficiaries is, is really important. The other thing that's also true um, that's kind of a, a secondary level of importance is if there aren't beneficiary uh, beneficiaries on those forms, they do go to the estate instead and become part of the will process which leads to two issues. Number one, that gives people more to fight over rather than less, mm-hmm. and the goal is to have less to fight over typically. Uh, number two, that means creditors can can attack those assets. And if you're a beneficiary of an IRA, it just goes to you. But if the estate takes it, and let's pretend somebody died in a car wreck, and there, there are claims for causing the car wreck, then potentially there, there would be funds in the estate that otherwise wouldn't be available to creditors. You're listening to North Georgia Business Radio X. I'm Bo Henderson here with Dr. Bill Lampton. We're talking to Bill Rhodes about estate planning. Now, Bill, one of the things I've heard you say successor, I call them contingent beneficiaries just on the way we document. Um, what's the importance of having that contingent beneficiary in place? Because I think a lot of people know, hey, if somebody asks me, I want my wife to get it. But what's the importance of having that backup or contingent? Yeah, sure. And, I, and I, we're broad brushing a lot in this conversation because everybody's legal needs are different. But typically we're dealing with a married couple who are going to name their um, their spouse as the primary beneficiary. And what I mean by, by successor or backup or contingent beneficiary often would be the children. And so the, the goal there is that if the wife or the spouse predeceases, that we do want a beneficiary to still be there in place to take those take those assets. Okay, so really good idea on those forms, on those those accounts, those investment accounts, to have a primary and a contingent, and think those through. Think those through. And then another thing, Bill, I tell people on those, we check them every year on the retirement planning side because things change, life changes. But another thing, I've seen people put off making decisions because it's it's not perfect. So here's my advice, and you can back me up or tell me I'm, I'm completely wrong here. I say, let's make a decision, if, and this sounds awful now when I think about it. I say, if you got hit by a bus today on the way out of here, what would be okay today? And if things change, we can always update this and change it. Because a lot of times people are thinking out every scenario over the next 30 years, and they're having a hard time making a decision. So that's my advice, is what would be okay if something happened in the near future? Well, Bo, I like that advice because I give kind of similar advice, and I'm going to screw up a, a quote, but <laughs> something to the effect of don't let perfect be the enemy of the good, right. and I agree with you. And be left unprepared. Well, I think that's the, as we're going through these and we have these things in place, 
that that's kind of where I'm going, Bill. Is there any big mistakes you see or common mistakes you see come up as you've just been kind of in the field on the front line on this? Sure. The the, the other mistakes that I'll see besides not naming a, a beneficiary and then also not being very clear on how real estate gets uh, gets distributed out to beneficiaries um, are people who are well-meaning. Uh, but the uh, outcomes are maybe unintended and unexpected. And right now, what I'm really talking about are grandparents. What I see oftentimes are grandparents who intentionally are leaving funds to grandchildren or maybe children, and there are some sort of special needs at play. Mm. And without thinking through the ramifications, it can kick a child off of Medicaid only so they then have to requalify for Medicaid down the road. And what's intended as a well-meaning gift can just cause kind of chaos uh, uh, down the road. And so if there's any sort of what I call intergenerational estate planning that's needed, uh, I encourage uh, grandparents, parents, whoever, to have open and honest conversations with what their goals are and what they want to do to see if that actually is beneficial to, to grandchildren or, or parents. So what the solution would that be to have a person, if we have minor children that are these grandkids, to maybe be in charge of that until the kids are of age? Or Yeah, that's one method of doing it. Another is, is to create some trusts for the benefit of, of the minor children. Uh, there, there are several ways to, to solve that problem. Now, you said the magic word. I'm glad you brought up trust. I want to talk a little bit more about that in our next segment. Uh, <clears throat> One of the things we haven't talked about is life insurance. Uh, where does this play into it? Sure. Um, I would I would treat life insurance very similar to how I treat uh, an IRA or 401k or other beneficiary forms typically. Um, my view on life insurance, though, is to be careful and beware because my understanding is most life insurance policies out there are what are called term life insurance policies. And so oftentimes they'll expire before someone's passed away. And so don't count on that being the legacy that you're leaving to your kids because you might uh, outlive it. And then at that point, there's nothing left to, uh, to transfer down. No, that's a good point. I saw some statistics at one point. It was over 90%. I think it was like 93% of, of term policies never pay out because the insurance companies are pretty smart actuarially at knowing what is likely to happen. Yeah, that, that, that's correct. And I, I don't think life insurance or term life insurance policies at least are a great solution for folks who are, who are um, healthy in their 70s and 80s and 90s. Well, let's talk about trust when we come back. I'm Bo Henderson here with Dr. Bill Lampton talking estate planning. It's been a fascinating conversation. It's something we all should address, we all should listen to, and maybe raise our estate planning IQ a little bit by hearing this show today. We'll be right back on North Georgia Business Radio X. So what do we need to do to be prepared with our estate planning? It's a conversation we've been having. It's a fascinating conversation. I think it's one that's valuable to everybody listening today. And we talked a little bit, we were bringing up trust a little bit, Bill, at, at the last segment. And one of the things that I've run across, and, and it seems like, you know, somebody might see an infomercial or this, this new training about how to use trust. But I think it's important to know it's different state to state. So what is in Georgia, because this is a North Georgia business show, what do people need to know about trust? I think that's a great question, Bo. There's there's two different kind of trusts that I run across most often. The first is called a revocable trust. 
I see those most often for folks who come to Georgia from other states. Mm. If you'll remember early on in our conversation, I talked about how dying in Georgia is easy compared to other states because other states require the inventories and the accountings as part of the probate process. One of the tricks lawyers use in other states to get out of that process is by creating revocable trusts for those folks in the other states. So if I have clients moving in from Pennsylvania or from Florida or from New Jersey or, 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 or Ohio, they'll often come to me with these really thick folders that are right. these revocable trust estate planning documents that in my view oftentimes are unneeded and unnecessary in Georgia because the probate process is so much easier in Georgia. The second kind of trust that I see and that I use most often are something called a testamentary trust because it's part of your last will and testament. It's a just-in-case trust. For almost all of my clients who have minor children, you know, my, my feedback are, are kids are idiots. You know, they haven't, grown, they haven't grown up yet. They haven't had the bumps and bruises. And so if I pass away with $200,000, do I want my 18-year-old getting $200,000 on day one? And the answer usually is no. And so what a trust does is it's just fancy lawyer language for, for an account that somebody else is in charge of, but that's for the benefit of the child. Is this what you would hear as an irrevocable? Uh, that would be irrevocable after someone passed away. That That's correct, though, yes. Okay, so revocable, irrevocable. Something that it would help us to have clarification on, because I hear people discuss this, and they're not really sure. And the question I have is, when a, let's say, a parent dies, and the parent may be a part of the 40, what is it, 40, how many, is it 40 million people unemployed now, I think, yeah, in, in COVID-19. Like so during this period, they've run a considerable debt, credit card debt. They haven't been able to pay their mortgage. They've, they've had uh, all of their savings eaten up. And so at their death, what happens to those debts? Are the children responsible for them or not? Yeah, so the kids are not personally liable for, for the debts of the parents. Uh, that's a that's a good question and a question that I'm I'm often asked. Now, where I will see some children make a mistake is if there are assets available, the children don't get to take them instead of the creditors. Now, if the children take the assets, the assets should have gone to the creditors and to the to the debts. But the children alone aren't responsible for the parents' debts, and they can tell the IRS or anybody else to go pound sand. So it has to be settled from the estate. We just need that to is correct. Okay. Well, Bill, I know one of the things that that we have to address is when it comes to estate planning, transferring assets, uh, one of the biggest things that determine how that works and how effective we are is taxes, right? The less we can, the, the more we can mitigate that situation or do the best we can, the better. What is, what is maybe the biggest mistake you see when it comes to taxes or something we need to know in terms of estate planning when it comes to how do we need to handle taxes? Sure. One of one of the most interesting trips I've gotten to, to take as an attorney is I got to go out to Austin, Texas a couple of years ago for a client. And that client was left a, a, a boatload of a variety of assets out of their grandparents' estate who died about 30 or 40 years ago. And one of the mistakes that I see most often is when grandparents or parents will give assets down a generation before they die. Um, there's something called the stepped-up basis, and I'm getting into tax weeds. But generally speaking, you want to die with the asset and then give it to your kids. What you don't want to do is give it to them before they before you pass away. So they would owe the tax on the difference between the original, what we call basis, the purchase price, say, and the value then. That's absolutely correct. Okay. So, yeah. So so that's the advice. Die and then leave the asset. That's, that's right. For, for stepped-up or, or 
things taxed on a basis. Yeah, and there's an exception to, to every rule because one of the other questions I get uh, uh, asked often, and, and Bill, this is kind of um, answering a different question of yours, is, is about Medicaid. Mm-hmm. And will Medicaid come and take, take mama or daddy's house away? And, and the answer to that is, you know, if mom and daddy have both passed away, Medicaid might put a lien on the property. Now, that does not mean, though, that it's the children's debt. And I did want to kind of tie that back up. Well, let's let's get into you giving us so much great information today. And I think a lot of notes for people listening to take to say, hey, maybe that's something I need to address or maybe something I need to look into further. But what about you, Bill? You know, were you five years old running around saying, I want to do estate planning? Or what was the journey to get here? <laughs> that, that, that's a good question. I, I never wanted to be a lawyer. I think I, I think I tripped into it. Um, you know, I, uh, I grew up in Commerce, which is not terribly far away. And so the two large cities that... Um, that were close by were both Athens and, and Gainesville. And so that was my exposure to, uh, to Gainesville. I grew up swimming in the Green Street pool a whole lot as mm-hmm. part, of a, part of a swim team. Um, I went to law school after doing a couple of other things in life. I, I worked for uh, Phaedra Corso for a while, who a lot of the local listeners will probably know here in town. And uh, she and her husband lived here in Gainesville. And she told me what a great community it was to come live in and, and work in. And uh, at the time, I, I had decided to go back to law school I knew I didn't want to work in a courtroom, right. um, and but I've always enjoyed numbers, and I think that matters, and, and the tax work and the estate planning work I do, and I enjoy stories. And uh, when you're doing estate planning, you're listening to people's stories about their lives and what they've done, and I, I really enjoy that. Well, and you're involved in a process that can that can truly help people be in a better position. That's why I love retirement planning, right? It's You can meet somebody and see some gaps and know that they left and, after, and by knowing you, they're in a better position than when they came. Maybe can prevent them and their family from some of these loopholes we hear, those horror stories we hear. I think it's proactive lawyering rather right. than reactive lawyering. Right, after something bad's happened. That's exactly it. Well, why the firm? What what took you to the firm today? How did you get involved there? Um, well, the, the, the I wish I had a better answer. The honest answer was the recession hit in, uh, what, 09, and I was unemployed and needed a job. Um, but I, I asked around about the reputation mm-hmm. uh, of the firm that I'm with. Um, it's been around since uh, the late 1920s. Great lawyers, honest lawyers. Um, I think people who are involved in the community, and I, I really feel exceptionally lucky to have fallen in with them. Well, for the, for the person out there saying, you know what? Uh, I know this stuff needs to be dealt with. I hear this every week. Yeah, it's important. I need to get around to it. My challenge today is let's put like a 30, 60, 90 day max window on this to get this done. What do they need to do, Bill? Is it is it reach out, call, website? How could they get in touch with you to say, hey, how do I get these basic documents in place? Sure. They can they can call our, our regular office number, uh, 770-536-3381, and, and ask for me. Uh, and that's the best way to get started is we just usually have a 15-minute uh, intro phone call. And it's kind of like uh, I describe it to uh, to building uh, you know houses or decks or something. I need to know what, what, what you want built. Let's figure out what the blueprints are, and then we can, we can talk from there. Well, another thing I know is Bill is truly an educator. He likes to teach. He likes to share, and he likes to make sure you have the information to make the best decisions possible. So, Dr. Bill, I don't know about you, but this has been an informative and fascinating conversation today. It certainly has, and I'd like to get back to something we said at the outset, that people put off these decisions. They put off acting on the uh, the transactions that they they should take care of. But when they do it, there's a great sign of relief. And it sort of made me think back to <laughs> long ago, seventh grade, I would put off a homework assignment and All I right. would put it off and I would put it off. But as you and Bill have said, go ahead and do it. And the sense of relief that you have, you have it done 
and why spend so much time fretting about it and worrying about it when it's for the good of your family and your legacy? Well, Bill Rhodes, I think what Dr. Bill's saying is you might have the key to helping with peace of mind when it comes to these items. And I just want to thank you so much for sharing and being with us on the show today. Oh, I enjoyed it. Thank you, both. All right. See you guys. We'll see you next time right here on North Georgia Business Radio X. You've been listening to North Georgia Business Radio X with Bo Henderson. What local business do you know that should be highlighted on our program? Let us know. Just search North Georgia Business Radio X on Facebook or contact Bo at businessradiox.com. Thanks for listening. See you next time. And remember to support our local businesses.